says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice. Love that. Come on, Lord Jesus, we praise. We give you all the glory, all of the majesty. Fantastic. Wow, what a church. So glad I came to church this morning. Got out of bed, had breakfast with your pastor, and we rolled on down to, to church. If I was in Tauron, I'd come to this church. I don't know if you're visiting today, but maybe it's time for a choice. Amen. So good. I love that worship. Nothing like Kiwi worship. I've been in a lot of different churches all around the world. But this is obviously the best one I've ever been to. Amen. Just amazing. Great people, great pastors. This couple are two of my greatest heroes. I think they're fine people and they've created a great church of fine people. And I, uh, I know, uh, well, we haven't known Alan and Eleanor for too long, but these pastors are heroes. They are champions. They've been through all kinds of challenges. And uh, I mean, you know, think about pastoring you. How would it be? I'm sure you're wonderful to look after. I'm sure there's just no problem people in this church, unlike every other church in the world. Taurong and people, are, I've heard that they are problem free, that they are low maintenance, high producing, amazing Christians. Amen. So thank God for Pastor Alan and Eleanor Hood. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. What an amazing couple. Good friends. And uh, I see they've, they've come from Pastor James here. Great stock. Good to have you in the house, sir. Thank you for being here. Founder of this church, right? Yes. Started it up and handed it on to his son, who's gone ahead and taken it even further. Amazing. The presence of God is in this room. With that kind of worship, he can't resist it. He says, wow, i got to get down there. And uh, that means there are people here who have a heart for worship. And this house is one of the great pillars it's been built on is definitely the worship of God. And it's always good to have a great keyboard player. Always great to have a great, uh, who knows how to play in a way that just keeps God around. There are some who don't, so we have to dismiss them quite early. They know who they are too. And, uh, but God is here and He loves His church. He loves being amongst His people, especially if they make room for Him. We don't just rush through a run sheet. I mean, you had two more songs this morning than most churches normally do. So that's making room for God. And you have twice as many advertisements about what's coming up. It's amazing. Just amazing. I looked at that and I thought, I must be coming back here next week. <laughs> but thank you, Lord, for being in this place. Your presence is in the house of God. Why don't we just linger here for a little longer? Maybe lift your hands if you're feeling like you want to reach out to the Father. And I know sometimes we ask, we say to people like, if you have a difficulty or a challenge, we can pray for you down the front, and that's good. But there are times also when it's good if we pray for ourselves. The Bible says, if any of you is suffering, let him pray. 
or her prey. Maybe the pain is God trying to get our attention and He knocks. Sometimes there are knocks in our life that, that are trying to get our attention on God, not for us to get the pastor's attention, but actually get God's attention and Him to get ours. So maybe just reach out right now to the Lord. As I'm standing here, I'm aware that there'd be families who approaching Christmas time, it, it's not all that happy because it reminds people of those who have moved on or even passed away or even those breaches where kids aren't coming home uh, because of negative reasons. I'm praying right now that there'd be healing. And I'm declaring over your family healing. I proclaim restoration over all the broken relationships, all the strained relationships, those things where that are very uncomfortable on Christmas Day when come together. In the name of Jesus, I proclaim healing and victory and restoration. I proclaim reconciliation. I declare that blessing is on your life right now. In the name of Jesus, I pronounce the blessing of God, the richest, deepest, highest blessing of heaven will rest on you and on your family and on your children and on your children's children on your marriages and on your relationships with friends at work, in play. In Jesus' Name right now, Father, we proclaim Your victory over every believer in this house this morning that walk away with it upon their lives in the Name of Jesus. I also proclaim victory in their financial world as the cost of living crisis hits so many homes. I believe that, Lord God, You will bring blessing on the house of the righteous. They will not be begging bread. They will not be without. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Surprise blessings are going to come into your house. Surprise bonuses will come into your pocket, into your bank account, into your family finances right now. Cast all your anxiety upon the Lord. Don't be asking, how am I going to afford this? Look to the Lord and say, my God shall supply all our need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And anybody who is facing medical crises right now, I proclaim healing and deliverance over your life today. In the name of Jesus, as Father, we look to You and we worship You and we give You thanks. We know that You'll pave away for the healing oil of God right through this meeting in the name of Jesus. People right now will be feeling healing in their shoulders, in their spines, in their minds, in their skin, in every area of their life. I give you thanks, Father, for the power of the Word of God. He sent His Word and healed them in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Give the Lord a clap offer Him, would you? <laughs> God is good. What's your name? Sam. Are you two, what? Married, oh, that helps, yeah. Why don't you come up here? Just stand up here for me. I don't know what you do, but I know the Lord wants to speak to you. So I'm just gonna stay standing for a little bit, if that's okay. Only be about another two minutes. But believe me, it helps. We're coming up to Christmas where we eat too much. And standing burns more calories than sitting down, amen. <laughs> power of God is on this young couple. I don't know what you do in this church, but I can see the anointing of the Holy Spirit 
on your world. And you're going to prophesy and you'll speak about people's future. You'll see things and you will boldly declare them in Jesus' name. You're also going to... How long have you been married? Huh? Almost three years. No children. I see children. You're going to have three at least. They're going to come pretty rapidly. Great blessing is going to be on your house. But you'll be leading people. You've got leadership calling on your life. Leading an administration, an organization is going to be in your thinking and in your ways. Some ladies, they just like to party, but you also like to get it organized. Amen. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is, He's more of a party guy, but uh, the power of God is going to actually fill your lives with great joy and celebration. And you'll give birth to many people into the kingdom of God, not just own children, but you'll have spiritual children aplenty. And Lord, the power of God will come upon them today. Your steps are going to be guided by the Lord. Don't be in a rush. Take your time, step after step, and it will come to pass. Don't get ahead of God. Don't get behind Him. Walk with Him in His pace, in His time, in His direction. And you will, you will find there is a seeming failure at one point. It will look like something that you tried didn't work, but actually it's of the Lord. It's a, it's a developing powerful process and it's a doorway into a new day, a new dawn, a new room in your life. The power of God is going to place you in and in this house you will walk through quite a few doors and fulfill quite a few different positions. But the power of the Holy Spirit is going to teach you and educate you in every step you take. And it will be a life-forming process that launches you in just it's not a long way off in the distance. Like we're talking in the next couple of years, God has got something great for you to step into. It'll take a great step of faith, but you'll be walking on water supernaturally by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, touch this couple, Father, with the power of God. I give you thanks for great wisdom in this woman's mind. Like Abigail of old, she'll have wisdom to pacify the angry to calm the troubled heart, to turn back the forces of darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Yeah. Okay, people. Well, touch your neighbor and say, I'm glad I'm sitting next to someone I like, someone good looking. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much, guys. They did a great job, did they not? They were fantastic. And uh, the sound mix was just brilliant this morning. Thank you, Mr. Soundman. You are doing a great job. Always thank the sound guy. He's the most abused person in the entire church. Everybody tells him it's too loud, it's too soft, it's too this. But I appreciate the soundman. Most powerful guy in the whole room, you know that. He could turn me off in a second like that. So I just make sure we've got a good relationship from day one. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Christmas time and it's, uh, it's great to be here. Like uh, Ella, Pastor Ellen has said, I, I have some cards. To- Taupo took them all. I don't carry books around to, well, I've written 26 of them. You can order them online. And uh, so uh, it's just a bit much. And I thought, well, I got some Christmas cards that people order. So maybe we can sell them cheaper in New Zealand. We're 
because you'll well, I won't talk about the dollar exchange rate, but we normally they normally sell for 25, but 20 New Zealand dollars is about what two Australian? No, <laughs> sorry, yeah, hit me later. Uh, no, but anyway, it's uh, it's great to be here again, second time, right? Yeah, so I'm I really like this church, really thrilled about everything that's happening here. The building, the cafe, and all the outreach. I mean, that is makes us so proud as C3 to see all those boxes going out. Don't you feel great about your church when they're doing things like that? And uh, we urge that in all of our congregations that we just, we're part of the solution to people's problems. And cost of living crisis is real, and people are feeling it. And uh, the, some of them aren't being able to buy a lot or even have Christmas dinners. And so now because of you, there's going to be a lot of happy people out there. Um, you know, we, we do the same thing in Sydney, and often there are tears at the door, and uh, it is a beautiful thing when they understand where it's come from. And uh, when it's personally delivered and isn't just a, an organization doing it, but actually you're out there making it happen. So congratulations. I love that and uh, think it's magnificent. Just a couple things. Next year in May, uh, we're going to Singapore. I hope you guys are coming because you'll liven the whole place up. They're a boring lot, those other guys. So if you could, if you could come, uh, I called it. Oh, shoot, this thing's going to hit me. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of spooky, right? It's like Jesus coming down and going up. Uh, the outpouring. I called it that because I'm anticipating the outpouring. And uh, I re really am. Uh, I think I've found that. It's an unusual thing. I've been pastoring for like for 52 years. So you have a lot of different meetings. And if you call a meeting a healing meeting, people get healed. It's wild. You know, kind of you create an appointment for God and he turns up at the office with what you made the appointment for. And so you have a baptism in the Holy Spirit meeting and thing that happens. So I am anticipating that, yeah, there will be a huge outpouring launching us into the next phase uh, before the second coming, which is, uh, I know when it's going to be, it's just not really. <laughs> if anybody tells you they do, no, they don't. Uh, but I, I do. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it could be soon, people. It could be soon. So I want to I see a massive move of God right around the world. We're starting 45 churches this year, right now. So we'll be over uh, 600 very soon. And uh, that means 45 new leaders, 45 new worship leaders, 45 bands, 45. And, uh, and so that's, I'm, I'm happy with that. But I want us to keep on surging forward. So get your tickets. You're all welcome. Uh, Singapore is a great place to have, have a, a shopping holiday, girls. And uh, your husbands won't like me for saying that. But uh, it, you can go anywhere around Asia after that for another holiday. So, okay, so... There's that, and then there's these other books that we did mention that uh, your pastor mentioned, all those. This thing's coming down further. Uh, yeah, so they're, they're all really good books. And uh, it's not that I'm arrogant. I just have a lot of faith that these, they'll bless you, they'll help you. But this one, the one uh, the disciple that Pastor Eleanor talked about, um, I, used to, I, used to, I was going to be an artist before I became a preacher. And then I laid it down for, I didn't do any art really, bits and pieces, but for 25 years, no serious. Uh, and then one day I saw a picture and God told me to 
I, you know, I knew I was meant to paint it. So I did, and it was the first painting I ever sold. So I thought, oh, I'll stick with the style, and it's that kind of style. So uh, I ended up trying to submit this in the Archibald Prize in New South Wales, which is a very prestigious art prize. And uh, so I submitted it uh, for them to judge, and I need, to, I need to tell you people, I didn't win. <laughs> they didn't even hang it on the wall. <laughs> what would they know? And so I thought, I'll show them. I'll stick it on my book. So I, <laughs> so, so I stuck it on my book. But that book is like a really important book. I wrote it coming out of uh, COVID because a lot of people lost the rhythm of their Christianity when they lost the rhythm of church life, like Sunday church, prayer meeting, connect group. When all that went, it's like some just stopped following Jesus. So I thought we got to not be churchians or preach churchianity. We need to get down to discipleship that I'm going to follow Jesus, no matter if church is shut or open or how many scandals there are in the Christian world, no matter who else is deciding to follow Jesus or not, I have decided. I'm fine. And so that's a disciple, lives by disciplines, not by, not by emotions. And, then, and the other thing that I really wanted to, and I, I hardly needed to say it here because you sang that beautiful song about the Lordship of Christ, uh, the, the fourth one, I think it was, third or fourth, and your Lord, come take your place, your Lord. And, and that is, it's so important that we move to that because so much of Christianity uh, and the preaching and teaching, and, I mean, it's great. It's about how Jesus set me free, how he healed me, how he saved me. I think, oh, you know, and it is awesome, but we're kind of stuck there. Yeah, and it's still all about me. And that's a problem because the person who causes you the most problems in this life is sitting in your seat this morning. And so it's like, it's like we got to get a, beyond where He's my Saviour to where He's my Lord. When He's my Saviour, He's picking up His cross and laying down His life for me. But when He's Lord, when He's my Lord, I'm picking up my cross and laying down my life for Him. And we will be frustrated as Christians if we just stay at the cross and it's all just centered around what He's doing for me. And the whole consumeristic thing, God's going to bless me, make me incredible and all that. You know, maybe, maybe not. But that's an outcome that's peripheral to pursuing Jesus, first and foremost. And, and, and it should not, those things like God's there is my grocery list boy who just, God, can you give me this and this and this and this? And I think, well, maybe he's asking us for this and this and this and we, we need to come to him and surrender and say, look, you know, here I am. So that, that's really what that book's about. So God bless you. Amen. I know you'll enjoy it. You can download it on Amazon or <laughs> philpringle.com. This is spooky, this thing. Yeah. Okay, guys, uh, I'm going to, uh, I was in the middle of the service. I thought, yeah, we are really close to Christmas, aren't we? I thought I really should do a Christmas message instead of this one that I've got. So I switched it in the middle. So I'm the, I am, the guys who do the screens hate me because I, I change things often like that. And they say, no, 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 you can't do that. And I said, well, let's.
let's do this message. And so uh, I got some scriptures that won't appear on the screen, but this, this one I want to read to you out of Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 32. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph. And the virgin's name Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty. Beautiful inside and out. God be with you. She was, this is from the Message Bible. She was thoroughly shaken, wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God is a surprise for you. Understatement of the universe. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great. He'd be called the son of the highest. And then over in Luke 2, 7, she brought forth a firstborn son. Okay, and, and we know that's, that's basically the story of, of Christmas. Well, the thing is, Mary needed to make literally room for God. She, and not just, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, relationally. She was, she was in love with a kid called Joseph. And they were going out with each other, had a really good relationship going on. Uh, he would turn up at their house. Um, is Mary ready? And the father said, you look after her tonight and I'll be home by this time. And so it was all pretty, pretty contained and chaperoned. But they, he would say, yeah, we'll be, we'll be home by 7.30. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so uh, he'd, Take her out on Lake Galilee. I mean, he's a romantic kid. He'd have a little poem in his pocket, whip out his guitar, the moon's up on the horizon. When they're out about the middle of the lake, he did Mary, Mary, you're so sweet. I love you. She goes, oh, Jennifer's so nice. And uh, it was all kind of cute. Come home and just on the way home, they stop at Pizza Hut and grab something to munch on. And, and you know, it, it's all good. So she's down in synagogue every, every Saturday and worshiping and thanking God. She didn't realize the level of destiny that was attached to her 15-year-old life. So she goes home. One, one afternoon after synagogue and in comes Gabriel. Big wings, tall guy, glowing. He says, hi, Mary. He says, whoa, who are you? He says, I'm Gabriel. Sent from God, I got a message for you. He said, what's up? He says, you're going to have a baby. She goes, hmm, I'm young and I'm not sure if you understand or if you're an apprentice angel but you don't just have a baby. <laughs> Things got to happen. He goes, oh, oh, yeah, no, we got that covered. The power of God's going to come on you. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. And you're going to conceive. And she stopped being cantankerous. She could hear faith in what the angel was saying. So she said, okay, be it unto me according to your word. In the New King James Version, she said, how shall it be seeing I know not a man? Kind of blunt like that. And 
for you and I, when we hear the promise of God, we, like if God says, I'm going to supply all your need, like I was saying in that scripture before, we go, how shall this be, seeing I know not a millionaire? <laughs> we, got, we got this kind of horizontal view. But, but that's what you need to look up. You need to look up and make room for the God of the impossible. That absolutely anything's possible. He can surprise you. And I can guarantee you he's doing more behind your back than he is in front of your face. There's a whole bunch of things happening right now in your world that you're unaware of. That he's getting ready for you. Like, it's amazing how God gets solutions for problems we don't even have yet. There was once a little fish swimming around in that Sea of Galilee. and He's so hungry. He just ate everything in sight. Chomp, 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 chomp. He ate so much that he couldn't even fit on the school bus anymore to get to school. There's no seat big enough for him. So they kicked him out of the region because he's eaten all the food. He's, and he went all the way down to a place called Tarshish. It takes about 80 years for a fish to grow huge. Here he is just huge, this monstrous thing. And he's just in the right place at the right time for this crazy prophet called Jonah who gets thrown overboard and this fish is ready. So what I'm saying to you, God started preparing that fish before Jonah was born. Because he knew Jonah would have a problem way down there when he's going to get tipped out of a boat and he needed some big fish to swallow him. So you can, you can rest assured that God knows you and everything that's coming up in your future and He's already got a solution. He knew that way back, way back, every one of us were going to need a Savior. He provided you with a Savior 2,000 years before you were even born. So God's ahead of you. He's got you. He understands what's coming up. All you've got to do is agree with Him. I mean, he's not going to override your will, manipulate you, and make you do something you don't want to do. If you go, no, thank you, he'll say, okay. He respects your free will. But if you say, yes, Lord, you go, okay, like Mary did, be it under me. Okay, according to your will, let anything happen. She made room in her life for God. Unlike the innkeeper. So... What happens, we'll just go back a little bit in the story, where Mary is finally, you know, uh, conceived. The power of God came on her. She felt the presence of God fill the room. So Joseph is taking her out on these little moonlight rides and singing away. But he's starting to get the consternation look on his face. Because as, as girls get closer to the wedding, generally they kind of slim down. But she's moving in the other direction. And, and he, he, so one night, he just can't help himself. He says, Mary, I, I kind of notice you, you know, like, he don't know how to say it because if you want to live, you never mention this kind of uh, thing, you know. Like, and so he said, can we talk? She said, this. Oh, don't worry, Joe. It's a God thing. You know, it's like, this is the Lord. He goes, Mary. What are you saying? This is, you can't say that. That doesn't happen. I mean, I know what's happened. What's caused this? And she goes, Joe, it's not. He says, 
I'm sorry. I'm done. So making room for God can be expensive. It can cost you some great relationship, some very close relationship. It can jeopardize them anyway. May cost you. But this was definitely a threat to Mary's whole boyfriend, fiance, marriage to a good guy. And he really was a good guy. So he, he goes, he, he's weeping, she's weeping. They break up. Her parents can't believe what's going on. She becomes rejected by the whole, the whole town. Everybody in the town thinks, oh yeah, well that's, look at that. Joseph, he's, he's sleeping soundly in the night and Gabriel comes to him, slaps him on the face. Hey, wake up, Joe. He goes, what's up? He says, Mary's telling you the truth. It's a God thing. This, this is from the Lord. And so he makes room for God. He says, okay, I'm into it. He's running down the streets in his PJs, shouting Eureka. I mean, it's, it's like he says, whoa, this is amazing. He banging on, on Mary's window. He says, I'll join your church. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming. Amen. I'm believing like you're believing right now. And so they become this lonely little couple carrying the future Savior of the world. Nobody believes them. And instead of Joseph being judged for being a good guy, because he says, okay, I'll go ahead with the marriage. I can guarantee you all those gossipy church folk were looking at him, walking her down the aisle and saying, oh, look what he did. Now he's just trying to make it right. He's trying to fix it up, trying to cover it up. But actually, he was doing the most righteous thing. We don't always understand when we look at people what's going on in their lives. You never want to be the kind of athlete that jumps to conclusions. We want to be people who give a lot of room. We're generous. We don't, we don't fault find. We're not looking for what's wrong. We're looking for what's right. And, and often in church, for some reason, because we get to be righteous, you know, we get to be good people, we tend to move into judgment on the people who are not like us. It's like, it's like those people who, who give up smoking. On Monday and on Tuesday, oh, it's a filthy habit. Look at all those filthy people. Uh, and they're like lepers and, uh, or like, like people who've given up eating cheesecake and what have you. And then they go like, oh, all these people eating all the wrong kind of foods. And it's, we, we get to be judgmental. You never want to talk to a CrossFit person. They're obsessed, my Lord. It's, and... And then there's the vegan. No, we won't even talk about that. Yeah, but my God, it's, it's like we get so judgy when we've got a little bit of righteousness. That's why in the, in the, in the, in the Beatitudes, Jesus follows up, blessed are you, seek after righteousness, you'll be filled. Immediately after that is blessed are the merciful. Because as soon as we get a taste of we're good people, it's like, we can move to judgment unless we go to mercy and we feel for other people, we, when we, especially when we don't understand them. And Joseph and them, they would have been under all kinds of judgment in that. So they're alone, very alone. They're, they're on their way to Bethlehem alone. They arrive at the door and they knock on the innkeeper's door and they say, hey, you got any room for us in here? He looked at this poor young couple. But they're kind of glowy 
And he's got this unction on the inside, kick some people out so you can get them in. Because he was full. He was full. He was a business guy. And the people he had in his hotel were good paying customers. They were going to buy a lot of stuff, whatever it was. And, and this couple didn't look like a lot of profit. So he said, no, i got no room in here. Which is a shame because he could have been in those lists of Paul. You know, when he's talking to the Romans and he says, like, oh, Greek Claudius who did this for me and Greek Junius who kicked out some business people from his inn to, so that Jesus could be born in his hotel. He could, have, he could have been known, but he's only known as the innkeeper who said no. That's it. There are opportunities that come our way that are just incredible. And all of us live with some kind of remorse over missed opportunities. Maybe the worst is real estate remorse, right? The houses we should have bought or the houses we did buy. Amen. I mean, it's like the feeling of, ugh, if only, you know, if you're alert, if you're awake spiritually, you don't miss opportunities. But when we're a bit sleepy, we haven't been praying, we're not, we're not in worship, we, we kind of miss things. We think, oh, I should have been awake to that. When things slip through your fingers or they hit you from the side, being a spiritually alert person makes you aware of things that are coming your way. Jesus said, watch and pray. That doesn't mean watch the television while you're praying. It, it's like, turn everything off and just start to pray and think about some things. And, and He'll talk to you. He'll give you wisdom about what you should say to your kids at Christmas time. You'll be thinking about, what will I do with that situation? And you'll get wisdom. It'll come to you in prayer. He wants to talk to you. God is not a poor communicator. We are poor receivers. We're poor listeners. But he, he, is, he will speak to you in a flash if He's got half a chance to talk into our lives and teach us what we should be doing. And so now Jesus is born over there in the stable, which in the end becomes like a hero birth, the, the greatest in the history of the world. Just, just a side margin kind of theological point. The virgin birth is essential to the salvation of our soul because the blood that flowed in Christ's veins was uncontaminated by Adam's blood. And it's the only blood in the history of the world that is pure and spotless, that can actually cleanse every single soul's sins out of their system. And that's why it's so powerful, but that is why that virgin birth is so essential to the process of our salvation. And here was a girl who all on her own was happy to say yes at the expense of losing her fiancé, maybe to be just the only person on earth walking in, but God happily gave her Joseph to do it as well. But sometimes, you know, doing the will of God can be easily misunderstood. I don't know if you've ever been misunderstood. I'm a pastor. It happens every day. And, and, and people misunderstand. Sometimes people take offense when none was intended. We live in that kind of age, right? I mean, you, you can say anything. You can say butter and oh, there's something offensive about it. Because people want to take it. It's the last thing on earth you want to be carrying around as offenses. Let them all go. Don't be offended. Uh, 
you know, the, when Paul lists the, the qualities of love in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, love does not keep an account of a wrong it suffered. So when I was young, one of my heroes was Richard Wormbrandt, who got uh, shut up in communist prison camps for 20 years. A lot of them were in solitary confinement. He had marks all over his body from the beatings and the... Oh, and so reading him, I, I thought, wow, this guy's faith is so incredible. And then I read, he said, mature Christians don't forgive. Thought, what? What's he talking about? And then I kept reading. He said, they don't need to forgive because they never took an account of the wrong they suffered in the first place. They didn't even take it on board. So when you're walking in love, which is, which is, where we are all called to be, you'll find that offenses just like water off a duck's back. Even when people mean to, they try to offend you. Criticisms won't affect you because you're walking in the power that is from another world, the power of God's love. So here, this, this birth takes place and Jesus is born because two people decided to make room for God in their life. And I would urge you, as we come to Christmas, to do a similar thing. Like I said before, Jesus knocks over in Revelation 3.20. He says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I love it. Jesus is such a foodie. Any chance he can get to eat, he's into it. Like, like he... When he's risen from the dead, first thing, walks through the wall. Because in his new body, your new body, you're going to be able to walk through walls. Fly, you know. That's in a few years' time. I, I can't wait. We're going to have a body like Jesus had. He's the first fruits. He's the model. He's the, he's the better unit. He's the, you know, we, we're going to be like him. And so he, walk, he says all the doors were locked, but he walks in through the wall. First thing he says, hey, guys, got anything to eat? I mean, he's just risen from the dead. What's on his mind? Food. They say, yeah, we got some fish. So he eats the fish, barramundi, whatever. And he says, has a little chat with him and says, see you later. Walks out. I don't know how this works, but maybe the barramundi's sliding down the wall. But, but there's some way that you and I and, and then he meets, he meets the guys on the beach. He says, hey, guys, caught any fish? They say, no. He says, oh, I got some. So he's cooking fish. He's already, I don't know, been to the fish market. And, he's some, and, and do you know the first thing we do when we arrive in heaven? Marriage supper of the lamb. Big feast. So he says, hey, I'm knocking on the door. And this is to a church. It, was, it, wasn't, to, it wasn't to like... People who are far away from God was to his own church saying, hey guys, you got some room for me this Christmas? You got some room for me and just to bring some friends along to church? You got some room for me to come into your world at Christmas time and it isn't just holidays and eating and, and everything else. But I think if we can open the doors of our churches right around the world, not just to Santa, but to Jesus not even to Santa, for goodness sake, but to, but to have Jesus Christ front and center of all of our worship, of all of our gatherings, and that we preach Christ. 
He's the answer. It always amazes me that there's something about Jesus that is very magnetic, very compelling. I can talk about a thousand different things and people have all sorts of issues with it. But talking about Jesus, He's always drawing people nearer to Himself. So He's knocking in our lives to see if we will actually make some room for God. And I got one more story here about a a prophet in the Old Testament. His name is Elisha. In 2 Kings 4, verse 8 to 10, it says, One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know this is a man who often comes our way as a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put it in a bed, put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. So this is the final purpose. Making room for God is not just so that he comes in. Making a room for God is so that he stays. So I make room in my daily schedule for prayer. I make room in my finances to tithe and to be generous. I make room. Boy, I went quiet on that last point. Just went. (laughs) I love it. The, The thing is. We, making room invites mir- miracles into our world. So she says, let's build a room. It isn't just about making room. It's like, let's build a room. And this, this is like joining your house with the church. This is like, we're going to have God's house there and our house there. It's going to be a shared wall, if you like. We're going to have life together. We're going to make sure our house, I mean, in my house, we never made the statement, ah, should we go to church this week? That wasn't our language. I just, we never said, shall we have breakfast this morning? And, and spiritual life keeps, keeps us healthy, body, mind, spirit, and soul. And so this woman, wealthy woman, the prophet would come. He'd stop and have a meal, but he'd have to go. And she sees an opportunity that, that if I make room for him, he'll stay. And, and just having, the, having a revival in our church for a day or a week or, you know, and there are churches all around the world that have had seasons of revival. But in that time, it's so important to actually take advantage of the opportunity and make some room so that out of that visitation, you get a stayation. You, you, you don't get a, a, a visit. You get, you get God remaining. So I made sure earlier in my Christian life, I had a time of prayer every day of my life that was reserved not for devices or anybody else, but singly for Him. That's kind of served me reasonably well because out of that, just about every thought I need in leadership will come to me. Every piece of guidance, every piece of wisdom, Every miracle comes out of that time spent with him in in prayer and the word. And I have people ask me all the time, what's the secret? What's the key? Like to planning churches, to leadership, to all these things. So it's not profound. It's it's dead simple. It's pray and read your Bible. (laughs) It's like, and they said, no, no, no. There's got to be something. I said, there is nothing else. That's the room I've made. It's got a lamp, a chair, 
a table, a place to dream, a place to study, a place, a place to pray. And in that, in that place of, of regular devotion with God, I'm able to actually walk in victory every day. And the victory isn't just an emotional up. It's actually living in forgiveness when you want to hate people. It's living in joy when you want to be depressed. It's a supernatural power comes into your world because the prophet stays. And you're walking in a fresh oil and a fresh anointing. And if, you know, if I could just leapfrog Christmas for a second, uh, apologies, but, you know, just, just to leapfrog into the new year, if you've got any New Year's resolution that you're going to make, don't do huge things that are impossible that you give up after like a week. Try, try just sticking five minutes or 10 minutes. If you, had, if you don't pray each day right now, say, I'm going to start praying for 10 minutes at seven in the morning. Before the kids get up, well, that might be three in the morning, you know. So, so you actually say, I'm going to make room. I'm going to build a space for God. And if there was one other area in your finances, I'm going to actually make this room in my budget for the Lord. And, and then in, in the calendar year, obviously, May 15th, 15, 16, 17, I'm going to make room in my calendar for Singapore. Amen. <laughs> Brazen. <laughs> so, so he, the, the husband agrees. And she's, she's a smart wife. She approaches the husband. Hey, let's spend some money on keeping God in the house. That's an interesting thing. You know, like often wives are a little more spiritual. A whole lot more spiritual than, than guys. And, you know, they, they recognize that the guys, but her husband says, sure, let's build it. So they build this room and he stays. Now, she hasn't had any children. She's barren, which is a very difficult thing for an Israeli woman to bear because the possibility of divorce is very real. Or at, at best, she becomes the second wife and he marries another one that can bear children. So the prophet is, he's, he's not really aware of, of this situation, but he asks his servant, he says, what do you think we should do for her? Seeing she's gone all this trouble for us. And he says, well, there's not the pitter patter of little feet around here. And he calls her in. He says, woman, this time next year, you'll have a child. She says, oh, don't you go get my hopes up. He says, no, it'll happen. And within a year, she had a boy. She was holding this little baby because she made room for God, her barrenness disappeared. Wherever we're not being productive and things aren't happening, maybe it's because we just haven't made that room for Him. You know, that kid grew. When he was about 12 years old, he went out to help his father in the field, harvesting, became a connect group leader, led the prayer meetings, Went out witnessing, started preaching places, became a youth leader. But the pressure of harvesting in the field hit him and he fainted. He got sunstroke. First day in the field, took him to his mother, sat on her lap and he died right there. Just because you've started with a miracle doesn't mean it's going to stay a miracle. Miracles need sustaining. I said, a lot of great churches starting a huge revival and just fizzle out after a few years. So 
sustaining a miracle, keeping it alive is looking after it and sometimes resurrecting it. So the woman reached out to the prophet and he came. Do you know where she put that boy? She took him up into the prophet's room. She didn't put him in his own bed. She didn't take him into the couch to watch a bit of TV or anything. Just took him up in the room that she had built for God. And when you've got a room built for God, you can take anything there. Anything that's dead, anything that's sick, anything that's barren, the power of God will come in upon you. He came in there and the boy came alive. He prayed for him. You know, as, as we come to a close here this morning, there could be some, some here today that Jesus is knocking and has been. And you kind of heard it in a semi-conscious way. And you say, hey, why don't you open up to me? It might be the first time you've ever had a chance to say, okay, I, I want God in my life. I want to ask Jesus Christ to come into my life. So in a couple moments, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you've never prayed a prayer saying, God, come into my life, raise your hand and we'll pray for you. There could be some of you who are like that boy. You know, you, you went out, you, you tried to live for Christ, you, you went okay, but things went wrong. I want you to come back to Him today. If you haven't been in church for a while, or today's the day to make that journey back to Him. And there, there, may be, there may be somebody here, like, like you go to church, but you're not sure if you're going to heaven. Like you, you'd hope you are, and you, you'd think you are, but you're not certain. I've met a lot of people in church who, they're good people, but they're not sure if they're going to church, they're going to heaven. So right now, right across this auditorium, if you could just close your eyes, and if that's you, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, or if you have been away from God and you're coming back, or if you are not sure if you're going to heaven, right now, wherever you are, never asked Jesus in your life, been away from God, coming back, not sure if you're going to heaven. If that's you, would you raise your hand, please? Just raise it up for me high, and we'll pray for you. Thanks, I see your hand. Who else is there? Would you raise your hand? Put it up high and say, that's me. I want Jesus in my life. I want to be born again. I want the power of God. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Who else is there? One, two, three, four. Who else is there? Anybody else? I'm waiting for you. Five. Anyone else at all? I'll wait for you. This is the most important thing you could ever do. Thanks, buddy. I see your hand down the back. God bless you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. I see your hand, young lady. Anybody else at all? This is a very important decision. I don't want to rush it. And we've got time. We can make a little room. If there's one more person, would you raise it right now? Just raise it high and we'll pray for you. Thanks, lady. I see your hand. Amen. So guys, can I ask you to look this way? Uh, I'd like to meet you. Guys, who raised your hand. It's such an important decision. And I'd love to pray for you. So, we're, we're all going to stand up in a couple seconds. And if you raise your hand, can you just make your way down the front here and I'll shake your hand. We'll meet and I'll pray for you. Let's all stand. Amen. Just come. Just come. Thanks. Yeah. Those of you who raised your hand, 
just step out of your seat, make your way to the front, and we're going to look after you. Yeah, the guy down the back. Yeah, just come. Give these guys a big hand, would you? Hi. What's your name? Danielle. So nice to meet you. Hi. What's your name? Samantha. Tenta. So nice to meet you. What's your name? Secret. Oh, it's great to meet you. Hi, lady. How are you? Chris, you're from South Africa. I love South Africans. Such great people. I have a lot of them in our church. Just wait here. I'm going to pray for you. Amen. The guy down the back who raised his hand, just come. Yeah, and anybody else who raised your hand, I'm waiting for you. And uh, we'll only be quick, uh, but I'd love you to step out. And if you didn't raise your hand, but you're thinking, well, I really could go down there, just step out and we'll, we'll be praying for you. God will come into your world. The touch of heaven will transform you. Hi, I'm sorry. What's your name? Phoebe. That's such a great name. There's a lady in the Bible called Phoebe. Did you know that? You did. Have you got Christian parents? That's fantastic. Phoebe was a real hero. She did great things. I think you're going to do great things. If there was anybody else, I know there's a couple others who raised their hand. I'd love you to come. Uh, come while I'm praying. But we are going to pray with these guys right now. Christ will come into your life. Amen. God bless you. So nice to see you. Let's all say this word, these words together to God. Uh, it's a prayer of salvation that you're just helping these guys down the front say this prayer. Let's say this, dear God in heaven. So I want all of you at the front to say this. Let's try it again. Dear God in heaven, I ask Jesus Christ to come into my life. I ask to be born again. Cleanse me from all sin. Make me your child. Help me follow you. I repent. Forgive me. Receive me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord, I pray for Phoebe. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to give her peace in her heart. Help her follow you, Lord. I pray for my good friend from South Africa. Lord Jesus, the anointing touches her life. Pour your Spirit out on each one of these women. Lord, in the name of Jesus, touch my friend. Look after her. Help her through her teenage years. Be strong and powerful, standing for Christ. Fill these guys with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. The power of the Holy Spirit on each of these lives. This girl is called by God. I see you doing amazing things for Christ. Not just here, but overseas as well. You're going to hear from God. He's going to speak to you. And you will, you will find it hard to believe that God is speaking to you, but it is Him. And He will be telling you what you to do to bring Jesus Christ to other people of your background. Amen. Amen, people. Give the Lord a great clap offering, would you? Come on, let's just give them all the praise. Thank you, Lord. God is good. The devil's bad and we win. Well, thank you for having me here on your beautiful Sunday in church just before Christmas. Pastor Alan and Eleanor, we love you very much. You're heroes in C3 and you're doing such a fantastic job. We're very proud of you. God bless you all. Thank you.
Come on, give me.